we were talking about who wears the pants in that relationship, like Taryn is like a big bad, but Sigil is just the boss dragon. Like yeah. straight up. She's like, uh-uh, I will rip them in half. I will do all these things. Like there was this one scene where they were talking like blood dripping out of her mouth. And I was like, of course there is. <laughs> of course there is. She, that, that, that's just how I imagine that dragon. I'm Courtney. And I'm Meg. And we're the hosts of the Spread Those Pages podcast, a romance lovers podcast where we like our books, how we like our coffee. Hot. So sit back, grab your vibrator, and spread those pages. Hey, all you badass book bitches. Hey, all you badass book bitches. We're back with another episode. 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 I'm pretty sure you said pepisode, and I'm really down for that. Hey, all you badass book bitches, we're back again for another episode of Spread Those Pages podcast. And today we are talking about Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros. My name is Courtney. If you're new to our podcast and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Meg. And so, yeah, get ready for an incredible episode. We're going to talk about dragons. We're going to talk about sex and we might even drop a few F-bombs. So just get ready. I finished reading the book today as I was just texting you about, and I have so many feelings. So this is all fresh. This is like a free therapy session for me. I needed this today. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I finished yesterday and I was like driving home, listening to it, like through teary eyes (laughs) and I get home and I had like one minute left and I was like, well, I have only one minute left of this book and so I listened and I just sat there I had to take a nap I couldn't I couldn't process I was like Meg's not finished I will not ruin this book for her even if she's (laughs) begging for it and I was like I got I I can't even process right now I got I gotta take a nap so I definitely went to bed for two hours after I finished this book Honestly, though, I totally cope by taking naps as well. So I don't blame you for that choice. But how dare you not give me the spoilers when I ask for it, Courtney, uh, for uh, for our listeners. Uh, Courtney did like this might be one of the first times where you finished the book before I did. Mm-hmm. And you were like, oh, my goodness. And I was like, tell me, I need to know. I don't care if it's spoilers. And you wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. My feelings are hurt. <laughs> She's like, I'm on chapter 60. And I was just thinking like earlier that day I was on chapter 60. And like, I know like how much stuff happened between 60 and the end. And she's like, just tell me, I need to know. And I'm like, girl, you need to experience this firsthand. I will not be the one to ruin this. Like, you, you have to experience it on your own. And so, yeah, Meg's one of those people who like totally opened their Christmas gifts ahead of time just because of the surprise of it like you know couldn't handle it (laughs) I cannot I cannot and I I feel like I might have said this in one of my YouTube videos so if I know a plus b equals c um and I know a and I know c then b is what's most interesting for me because I want to know how we get there does that still hold true for me I would say yeah but it, it just knowing seeing where I was in the book at that point and how much tension there was I really needed some help girly um, to release (laughs) attention so I did google spoilers and I I read one spoiler and then I stopped and I won't say what that is now because we haven't gotten to the spoilery section but just uh you know for our viewers if you're watching us on YouTube I'm gonna hold it back so you can't fully see what the text is but here are my notes for what happened in this book I took a lot of notes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, A lot happened. 
It did. And I remember like I was maybe like 20% finished and I felt like I had already read an entire book. Mm -hmm. I was like, Mm -hmm. so much has happened in 25%. I'm on page. I think I was on page 116 in the book because I have the book too. And so I was like checking how far I was with the audio versus the chapters of the book to see like how much more I had to go. And uh, I was like, oh my God, 118 pages. And I'm already like, tense like I'm already wound up tight and that just didn't end <laughs> the entire <laughs> book was like just a straight line up um yeah but yeah it it was a lot to take in <laughs> yeah there were a lot of so I feel like in fantasy books that I've read historically there would be smaller battles throughout the book and then the big battle at the end but I felt and there absolutely was the big battle at the end but I felt like there were a lot of kind of big battles throughout the book, which made it feel to me like it was multiple books. Courtney, you have your book with you. How many pages is this book in total? Um, I believe it was 630. Hold on, wait. I'm going to fix my camera real quick. Um, It is – I checked this beforehand. I should have wrote it down. Okay, so it's 623 pages. Damn. So my book, The Cyborg Tinker, which is over my shoulder, if you're watching on YouTube, I think it was like 420 or so pages. It was 110,000 words. So that's that's legit. That's another 200 pages. So that's like what? I don't know. Yeah. 200 something thousand words. I think the audio was, was it 26 hours? And typically per hour of an audiobook, that's about 10,000 written words. So if you look at the hours, I, I think it would be like 260,000 words. There you go. Yeah, it I was about that metric. <laughs> it was it's long. Um, I did end up listening to it at one point in two, 2.5. 2.5. And it's hilarious because I lost my spot. And so I had to like go back because I don't know, I pushed something. And then like it was at 1.0. And I was like, how can anybody listen to this in real time? <laughs> like uh, it, it was so slow. It was like a sloth was reading it. I was like, I can't. I can't with that. Okay, true story. For the ending, I just got so anxious towards the end where I was like, I have so many big feelings. I have to know what happened. So normally I listen to it at like 1.0, 1.2 speed, usually 1.0. So once we got to Zayden's chapter at the end, I listened to it at 1.2 speed and he sounded so annoying. I had to make it go back down to one point. Like the... the the breath in the breath sound is like (laughs) it almost sounded like he was about to cry like the way that the inhale sounded yeah I didn't like it Mm -mm. so I didn't really like his chapter in fast mode and so that's why I started slowing it down on his chapter because it was there were too many breaths it was like (gasps) yes like the whole time and I was like (laughs) oh this is awful no um oh so it was 28 hours and 17 minutes long so 285,000 is what I would guess dang <laughs> I think this is the longest audiobook I've ever listened to really I think this wow. is I think this is it I don't think this is the longest audiobook I've ever listened to I've listened to the Robert Jordan Wheel of Time books the Game of Thrones books and Diana Gabaldon's Outlander books and those are beasties but I felt like the pacing of this was delicious like I didn't feel like it yes it was a long book but I didn't feel 
at any points like I wanted to unplug. I was very, very engaged, I would say, the whole time. Yeah, me too. It was, like I said, it, it was just a constant climb for me. There wasn't a point where I'm like, okay, I would be okay with stopping here and coming back to it in four days. Yeah. It was like I stopped and I'd be like, I need to get back to this immediately because I need to know what happens. And then it was like every chapter was like that. I totally agree. But I suppose we're going out of order for the episode. So shall we officially <laughs> kick things off with the book description and then we'll go to our continue our non-spoilery thoughts. <laughs> yes. After you. Excellent. Okay. For our listeners, if you are here and you haven't read Fourth Wing, what are you doing here? We love you. Go away. Um, and then come back. Read Fourth Wing and then come back. Just kidding. Um, but no, actually. So Iron Flame is book two in the Empyrean series, if I'm pronouncing that correct. Fourth Wing was the first book. It is by Rebecca Yaros. And um, yeah, let's get rolling on the Iron Flame book description. Everyone expected Violet Sorengale to die during her first year at Bazgayeth War. College, Violet included. But threshing was only the first impossible test meant to weed out the weak-willed, the unworthy, and the unlucky. Now the real training begins, and Violet's already wondering how she'll get through. It's not just that it's grueling and maliciously brutal, or even that it's designed to stretch the writer's capacity or pain beyond endurance. It's the new vice commandant who's made it his personal mission to teach Violet exactly how powerless she is unless she betrays the man she she loves. Although Violet's body might be weaker and frailer than everyone else's, she still has her wits and a will of iron. And leadership is forgetting the most important lesson Vazgaith has taught her. Dragon riders make their own rules. But a determination to survive won't be enough this year, because Violet knows the real secret hidden for centuries at Vazgaith War College, and nothing, not even Dragonfire, may be enough to save them in the end. Wow. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty good. I haven't read that. Yeah. Until I this haven't, very moment. <laughs> same. I tend to go into books blind. Like, I don't really read the blurbs. And then after, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the book. And I loved Fourth Wing. So let's actually, let's move to our non-spoilery section. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so I genuinely enjoyed both books. And this description, once again, like Fourth Wing, reads like a fantasy book as compared to a romance. I mean, they imply, obviously, in the sentence, like, unless she portrays the man that she loves, that, okay, yes, there's a romance in here. But to me, this reads like an epic fantasy. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. I think romance is the subplot. Um, it's something that keeps the story moving forward, but I don't think it's like the main focus. I think we're more invested in like the hero's journey instead of like the hero's journey of them together and like them being together. But it's not like a, a, a typical romance. Like it's not. It's more of an epic fantasy. I feel like with the with the subplot that's very strong i love zayden and i love their relationship and i love all the secrets and i love just how they argue with each other and just you know how they push each other um but yeah i would say it's more of like an epic fantasy okay that's really interesting so to me this feels like it's within the realm of like akatar which i would consider a fantasy romance so akatar is a court of thorns and roses for those listening who may not know and I feel like this falls within that realm in that it's, to me, it feels like 50-50. Maybe this book was more 40-60 in favor of plot stuff, like rather than 
romance for me personally i would want that reflected in the book description but i mean clearly she's doing great like so i mean don't don't fix what ain't broken i would have described this book as like 50 50 or kind of in the realm of akatar which is very like it has its own plot it has its own story and you know the big baddies that we're trying to defeat but it also has the the love story that's very prominent too yeah if you took out the romance though you'd still have a book i feel like <sighs> if you took out their romance and you just were telling Violet's story with her friends, it would be like Harry Potter. And we would have a, an epic hero's journey. I love the romance element, though. That's what I kept reading for, mm. was for them to see each other together. What, even though, like, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but, like, a lot of the time in the book, they're not really on the same page. They're not in the same location. So, you know, it's like, oh, I... I read more to get more of their interactions because that's what I like. I like mm -hmm. all the other stuff too. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, when they're together, it's like, it's like fire. It's lightning. Or <laughs> Nice, nice. Double meaning there. <laughs> okay, that's a fair point that, you know, you could remove this and the story wouldn't be too impacted. I'm thinking for Akatar. If you removed the love story, I don't personally feel that it could work. <laughs> Um, so, okay. Interesting. Very interesting. Anyways, back to Iron Flame. Non-spoilery thoughts. I genuinely enjoyed the book. As I mentioned before, I enjoyed the romance and seeing how... I don't think this is a spoiler because at, at the end of Fourth Wing, you know, Zayden revealed that there's been some secrets being kept that he kept from her. And so at the end of the book, she's like, I don't know what's going to happen, but you have to trust me. You know, you can't keep secrets from me. And so once we go into this book, seeing the two of them try and work out their differences over the course of the book, I know a lot of people had complaints about that, but I, personally, I didn't mind it. I thought it was great. So I'm, I, I do want to hear your thoughts, Courtney, on their whole back and forth. Don't keep secrets. I'm not keeping secrets. You're keeping secrets. Don't keep secrets from me. <laughs> I think I told you in text or one time when we talked, I was like, I just get so annoyed with the whole, you're not telling me everything. Like, we get it. It was too much for me. Mm. Like, let's get over it. Let's move forward. We could die. Okay, like there is some shit going down. Let's just get over it. It was a big contention between them. And I think when I was like 25% through, it was still the same conversation. And then like at 40%, it was still the same conversation. And then at 60%, it was still the same conversation. And I'm like, we understand. And maybe, I don't know, maybe just from my perspective, like I didn't feel the emotion. Like, I guess I related more to Zayden and his reasoning why he was doing these things than Violet and her her lack of trust from him like I did I didn't buy it fully okay interesting yeah actually now that you say that I'm like I, we probably talked about this in our Facebook chat so for our listeners if you uh, enjoy the show and you want to hang out with us um, we have a very new Facebook group so do come join us over there I think I put the Facebook group in the show notes. If I did not, go to spreadthosepages.com forward slash links and the link is in there. So come hang out with us in case we ever do a mid-read chit chat again or some other type of whatever in the group. That was a lot of fun. I personally, I think actually like I probably said in the Facebook chat, I didn't mind the back and forth. I'm a person who's very slow to trust other people. So I feel like I would have been on Violet's side of things, but I do think that I would have been more understanding given that like... 
he was working, he's leading this like rebellion or revolution or whatever you want to try to call it. Of course, he's going to have secrets. The big secret at the end, though, that was in that one chapter that I texted you about, that was a big deal. Yeah, that was a big deal. So I wonder if that's what this whole fight was all about, that they were leading up to that big secret and she just knew that he had something else. But the thing was, is like... It just, at some point, it came off, like, childish to me. Like, Mm. we're just repeating the same argument, and we're not moving forward, and we're not really doing anything to change it. So, like, why are we still talking about it? (laughs) Um, But I I get it. I understand because, you know, who her mother is, you know, General Soringel or whatever. Her her mom is, like, this high-up person um, at Basgaith War College, and it's just, like... I understand the character's motivation and I get why Violet was that way and was an annoyance for me, but it didn't affect the way that I felt overall in the story. Like I still really, really enjoyed it. All right. Fair, fair. And I think one of the things that you and I both liked in uh, book one, Fourth Wing, was the dragon banter. Did not disappoint with the dragon banter, at least for me. I had a great time with that. (laughs) Did not disappoint. I love Taryn. Like, he's just that grumpy grandpa. Like, he's just like, (laughs) do this stop acting that way like hold on to your emotions like he's like that subconscious voice that we all have in our head that's like stop acting this way (laughs) yeah and he just says it like a badass and he's like and no repercussions (laughs) yes and then her other dragon uh the name just lost me and darna and darna i forgot that name all of last episode podcast you said it like three different ways (laughs) And Darna. Okay, and Darna. I'm going to remember it this time. All these fantasy names, they're just, they just slip my mind. But anyway, I loved her teenage fits. I hope that's not a spoiler, but I loved the way that she talked back to Taryn. I thought it was adorable and how she would take Violet's side. And I was like, I love you. You're such a cute little dragon. Yeah, she was a sassafras in this book, which I loved. I'm really curious to see, oh gosh, spoilers happen at the end and there's things I want to talk about we can't yet. Um, I'm curious to see where her character goes in the future. Perhaps we'll leave it at that. But yes, she was definitely very sassy. Taryn was sassy. Um, Taryn's mate, oh, Sigal. Sigal, yeah. Um, she still kind of scares the shit out of me still. Um, <laughs> I found her very intimidating in book one and book two. Yeah. Mm-hmm, she still scares me. Yeah. If we were talking about who wears the pants in that relationship, like Taryn is like a big bad, but Sigil is just the boss bitch dragon. Like yeah. straight up. She's like, uh-uh, I will rip them in half. I will do all these things. Like there was this one scene where they were talking like blood dripping out of her mouth. And I was like, of course there is. <laughs> of course there is. She that, that, That's just how I imagine that dragon. I, what color is she? I don't remember. Is she blue? I don't remember either, actually. I feel like she's blue, but I could be wrong. Listeners, please help a girl out. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, so I love the dragon banter. I think the pacing of the story was really strong. Again, it kept me engaged the whole time. There was one single scene, um, which I will talk about perhaps in the spoiler section, that I stopped listening at because I thought Violet did something bad to hurt the revolution, and I felt embarrassed for her. But then when I continued listening, she hadn't done what I thought that she did, and then I just kept going, and I just flew through the rest of the book. Yeah, so the pacing I thought was great. Pacing was chef's kiss. 
Like it just it never got to that point where you're like, wah, wah, this is boring. It was it was great all from beginning to end. It was definitely a, a page turner or a listen in 2.5 speed audiobook. Hail to the no. Okay, can we talk about okay, so we're going back to the dude at the end who's going <laughs> you know, that like awful breath thing when you listen to it fast. And yeah, I guess that was kind of spoilers that his chapters at the end. But do audiobook narrators not crop out the like the breaths? When I'm editing podcasts and YouTube videos, if it's a long one, you bet your bottom dollar I am cutting that out from the audio it's obnoxious so do audiobook narrators not do this too they usually do they're usually really good with their breathing techniques because these are sag actors these are professionals that are recording these books and so they know how their breathing technique needs to be i feel like he did it with like a dramatic intention because it's supposed to be high stakes. It's the final chapter of the book. Like, you know, if you leave in those breaths and it's supposed to be like a scene that's like causing tension, like stakes are raised, you can draw more emotion that way. I don't feel like it came out the way that they expected it. But he's like one of those high profile audiobook narrators. They're like, oh, well, his name on it. We'll just go ahead and sell it. He's good. Just pass. You know, you don't really notice it when you're listening in 1.0 or 1.2. 2.0, it was like, it was awful. It sounded like he was about to cry basically the whole time. And I, that was only 1.2. <laughs> yeah, I had to listen to it again. Like I listened to it in like, 2.0 and I was like uh, I don't I, I'm annoyed right now and so I had to go back and listen to it in 1.0 and that was sloth speed and so then I, <laughs> I bounced it up a little bit it was still kind of annoying but not so bad but super fast like it sounds like a digital artifact and we did mention this in the Facebook recording um, when we did our like halfway through the book chit chat uh, that the female narrator, I am forgetting her name at the moment, was not mucusy this time. So that was great. <laughs> her name is Rebecca Solar, I believe. Who is that Rebecca's? How you yeah, Rebecca Solar, S-O-L-E-R, if I'm saying it incorrectly, apologies. And um, the male narrator is Teddy Hamilton, and he's very popular in the romance world. Ah, two Rebecca's. No kidding. Okay, cool. Well, I think um, both are clearly very talented. Um, it's just as we had discussed from Fourth Wing, the, it sounded like she had a sinus infection and it was very mucusy during certain sections of the recording. And so that was very much not the case for Iron Flame. So that was great. Yeah, I, I went on Audible to check to see what people were saying. And a lot of the hang up is still about the narrator. They're like, oh, choose a different narrator. She's awful. And I'm like, I thought she did pretty good. I mean, yeah, I thought I she liked, was great. <laughs> I liked her dragon voices. I liked how you could tell between the different female characters because she gave them all like a different kind of like style. Um, I felt like the way that she read it was fine. I could listen to it in 2.0 and it didn't sound weird or too breathy. I, I think she's a great narrator. I have no issues with her as long as she's well. <laughs> As long as there are no sinus infections. <laughs> yeah. And the thing with Fourth Wing, I think we talked about this, but anytime she would like go back and record something else, you could tell that she was uh -huh. well when she did it. And so uh -huh. I'm like, okay, like we know we we can tell the difference <laughs> yeah i think my only like and i wouldn't call this a full-on complaint but but i did notice that taryn's voice changed in my opinion a little bit from fourth wing to iron flame how she depicted it it was more gravelly uh, for lack of a better description i thought in fourth wing than iron flame but i thought she did a really great job 
like again with yeah the differentiating voices and all of the different characters i knew who was talking by how her voice sounded i didn't notice anything different with taryn i did notice though which i think we maybe talked about this in our midstream in the facebook group but Zayden was a little different, like the portrayal of him. But then like after you said that, I was like, yeah, I did notice that. But then when I got further through, I was like, oh, well, it doesn't really seem like that anymore. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was Zayden who I'm thinking of. Regardless, I did notice like a minor thing changed. Um, but apparently I didn't notice it well enough to remember it properly. So there is that. Yeah, it was it was Zayden. He was like, oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, okay, he wasn't really like that. He was more like sarcastic and just kind of like an alpha hole in book one. And then he became like this gravelly, like, I'm going to beat their ass for you or whatever. I want to talk about Zayden more. So shall we go to the spoiler section of this episode or any other non-spoilery thoughts? I'm good. Let's move on to spoilers. Excellent. Uh, on to spoilers in three, two, one. Where on earth do we want to start this? Do we want to start with plot? Do we want to discuss the characters? I have feelings about Zayden. Maybe I'm just going to quickly state the Zayden thing. In book one, we love Zayden and not Dane because Zayden was encouraging Violet to be better, to work hard, to learn how to defend herself and all these different things. And Dane was trying to shelter her and wasn't listening to her when she said she wanted to remain in the writer's quadrant. And then in book two, Zayden kind of took on Dane's role and was like trying to smother her, protect her quite a bit, which I found very interesting. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, I did. And there was a point where she called him out on it. And she was like, hey, you're doing this thing and it sucks. And he's like, well, I didn't love you then. <laughs> so okay. Good one. <laughs> but yeah, I did notice that he was overprotective. I do understand why. Because there is that love plot. I'm okay with Zayden being overprotective. I'm not okay with Dane, with, with Dane being overprotective. Because he was just like not even giving her a chance. Like I feel like Zayden does give her a chance. He just wants her to be more careful. Because she is careless. But Dane was like, uh-uh, you don't even get a chance. You need to go back to reading books. I feel like Dane did his best to stop her in a lot of different instances and wouldn't listen to her. While I didn't love Zayden's trying to keep her from doing things the entire time, I felt like he didn't exactly try to stop her in the way that Dane did. Yeah, I agree with that. But Dane did have a redemption moment in there, and I was a big fan. Another chef's kiss. So, yeah, so I was, I was pretty pleased with that. Yeah, the redemption was great. I was like, okay, you're forgiven. It didn't take much for me. I was like, okay, well, you went ahead and joined that revolution. So you're a-okay in my book, bro. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, I want to like get to more of like what the hell happened. So should we start from the beginning and go through what the hell happened? Yeah. Oh, man, I don't even know. I don't even know how to like give a short summary of this. There is not a, an easy way to do a, a short summary. So essentially, we left off in Fourth Wing with them fighting the Wyvern and the Venon, and then Violet waking up and her brother was alive. And Brennan. she's at the Brennan, and she is at their headquarters or what, whatever that town is called that was being rebuilt. She was there. So book two starts off with basically all the kids being like, should we go back to the college? Should we stay here? We need to go back to the college to get more weapons to fight the Venon and the Wyvern because it's that special metal or whatever it's called. 
and eventually Violet and the group decide to go back and they make a plan because they know that Dane probably spoke to his dad and so at least part of leadership knows that they know this big bad secret that the wards are keeping out Venon and Wyvern who are very much real and are very much not in their history books. Um, And so they're keeping that secret from the general public. So they go back and make a plan to reveal that they're alive and try and get to Violet's mother. So that way they can forget what the exact story is. I'd have to read through my notes. But essentially they were trying to be like, they tricked us. There was a griffin attack and, uh, you know, Dane's dad tried to get us killed, but we survived and killed griffins and some of the dragons and riders died, but we're back. And short of it is Violet's mom did believe them. And then they went back to class, but Dane's father. So Atos is like the last name. So I forget if it's like Colonel Atos or something like that. So he was forced out of his position as like a punishment. And so I wrote down his minion. His name is Varish, who is the vice commandant. And he basically is part of leadership at the war college and tries to kill Violet a bazillion times with a, like a lot of different ways because she knows and they don't want the news of Venon and Wyvern existing to get to the students. Yeah, okay, so I'll take th- a breath. Yeah, so you. throughout the book, they're like picking off the different people who were attacked by these Venon and because they don't want the secret to get out. And so they use torture tactics. They kill, they're killing them off because I think there's like eight or nine of them who survived it or seven or something. And so they're picking them off so they can keep the secret. Like one of the things they say is secrets die with those who keep them, tell them or whatever, some something like that. And so basically throughout like the book, they're literally trying to kill them off. You've got the revolution working with the Griffin writers who are the fake enemy that, you know, Bezgayeth and everyone is like, oh, the Griffin Riders, they're awful people, but they're being attacked too, and the revolution's working with them. And so we essentially go through the book where they are working with Griffin Riders, they are trying to protect these civilians, um, the revolution is, and it's just a lot of back and forth and battles between that. And then eventually the truth comes out because Violet is taken by the Commandant and tortured. And uh, wait, 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 you're skipping ahead. That's too far ahead, dude. I'm like halfway. <laughs> <laughs> OK, OK, pause. All right. So essentially throughout the book, they're making weapons at the war college and smuggling them out to this outpost where Zayden is working. So Zayden graduated from the college. So he's at this outpost. Violet is still in the college. But every two weeks, they are allowed to see each other because the dragons are mated and can't be apart for that long so they take turns on the weekends coming out for like a day or two so when violet goes to the outpost where they're at um they bring the weapons and then zayden eventually gets them to the rebellion and And she gets searched every single time she leaves yeah yeah by the vice commandant and his minions Yes. During the process, um, Violet, when she, when they all come back and they are trying to get her mother to side with them, Solus, who is the vice commandant's Varish's dragon, just like spewed a bunch of, oh no, it wasn't, it was during the, after the, 
they walk across that that thing. What is that the called? Parapet. Parapet. After the new people walk yeah. across the parapet, the the dragon kills a, a whole ton of people, but also tried to kill Violet, and then other people die, but Violet did survive. So, anyways, this dragon's name is Solus, and that's important for later. And this is when the first years are trying to essentially pair with their dragons. Um, and so they walk across the parapet. This is where Violet and everyone got their dragons in, in book one. And so these are year ones and they're walking across and Solus is like literally killing these kids. <laughs> Wait, I thought that was when they're entering the college for the first time. And then they have that speech in that hall and they're like, welcome to the war college. And the dragons appear to scare everyone shitless. And they're like, don't run. And there were kids oh, was it? that did run, I think. Oh, for some reason I thought it was when they were trying to, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Regardless, um, <laughs> he's a jerk. <laughs> yeah, Solus and Varish are human and Ryder who are baddies. Varish gets pissed off at Violet during the book because Vi there's like some special dismounting that she's supposed to learn while with Tarn, but Andarna hasn't shown up because she's in the deep sleep. So I guess her fighting in the battle in the previous book forced her into the sleep where you go from baby dragon to teenager dragon. Yeah, and they don't know that she's not one of those golden dragons. And so Violet's trying to keep it secret to protect the dragon's secrets. Exactly. But Varish is like, where the hell is your dragon? It better be here for the next one. And Violet's like, I can't force the dragons to come. Um, you know, I'm just a human. At some point for the next time Andarna didn't come, Varish forces Violet to practice her lightning to the point of almost burnout. And again, once again, tries to kill her more or less. And then Taryn has to fly up, grab her and like throw her in a river to cool her down because she physically overheats, which I found very interesting as far as magic consequences. Violet also speaks with her sister to try and tell her about their brother and everything. And her sister's like, bitch, you haven't been sleeping. And Violet's like, sure. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you're right. Obviously, you're not getting my hint. So you're right. I'm just exhausted. I'm crazy. Other shit that happened. Courtney, feel free to interrupt at any time. I'm just going through my notes. Um, anyone who's watching, I yeah, I, my eyes are down because I'm looking at my notes. But Dane keeps trying to talk to Violet throughout the, the beginning part of the book. She is very much unwilling to talk to him. He eventually challenges her to a sparring match. And she's like, oh, fuck. He, you know, could get my memories and stuff this way. Let's go back to what you were saying before, Courtney. We got to the interrogation thing where they they brought the kids in. So part of the, the training. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going in circles. So part of the training that year for their curriculum is an interrogation where at some point the writers are literally just snatched and brought over to this interrogation spot in like the mountain or something yeah. and tortured for days. And there's like four of them per whatever. Yeah. And they're also paired with infantry at this point. Yes. Yeah. So that's like a different training thing that they do. Yeah. It's kind of like hazing. Like they literally capture them when they're least expecting it. And then they drop them off in this place. And they're like, here's your maps. Here's your people. Figure out how to get out of here. And so that's like the first one. And then the second one is they like lock them in a room like her and mm -hmm her wing and they're like okay well now we're going to torture you and you're all going to watch every each one of you get tortured and y'all have to share a secret and we're going to get those secrets out of you yeah and so the goal is to escape like kind of like a torture escape room and nobody ever really escapes 
Um, that's like a thing. Like nobody gets out. But they did get out. But before they did, Varish, that evil dude, brought in Dane and was like, read her memories and stuff. And he chose not to and left. And then they did escape. And then I think after that is when they did the thing with the infantry. Oh, and we also learned that Jack Barlow is back. Uh, so he didn't actually die from the end of book one, where Violet basically tossed a mountain on him, being like, fuck you, Jack. Have a nice death, I guess. Uh, but no, he's back. And they kept hinting throughout the entire book, which was fabulous. And it blew my mind later that like the healers were exhausted and there was something going on with a patient that was being kept in secret. And obviously it turned out to be Jack because he is alive, very much alive. Yeah. Jack mother effing Barlow. <clears throat> so mad at him. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess essentially we learn that he's a Venon, so I am jumping a little bit ahead. But it, I guess with the hints and stuff, like, they figured out how to make some type of serum that takes the Dragon Rider's gifts away and then makes them so they can't communicate with their dragon. So these torture sessions are even worse because they can't defend themselves in the way that normally would happen. And I was assuming they got that somehow from Jack Barlow's DNA or some such shit from being a Venon. Did you get that too? Yeah, I got that too. I was like, oh, they're using him to get this because it's stated somewhere that that's the first year because Violet tells Zayden, she's like, yeah, they're using this elixir or whatever to like make us where I can't talk with you or Taryn or anyone. My, I can't feel my dragons. Like I can't feel anything. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's the first year they've ever done that, which is because of Jack motherfucking Barlow. I think maybe let's talk about the shower scene next if you're up for it. So it's one of the big steamy scenes between Violet and Zayden. Violet hears that there was like an attack on the outpost and that Zayden was hurt. And she flies without getting leave with Taryn to the outpost. Find out that Zayden is okay. He was healed. And then they fuck in the shower. And so they had this whole fight where... Um, he was like, I won't be with you sexually until um, you say you love me again because like, I want all of you. And she's like, well, all I can give you is sex right now. Is that enough? And they do have sex. And that was a fun scene. Yeah, I think that's when she's like, she's like freaking out. Like, and Taryn's emotions are high, too, because, you know, he's bonded with Sigel. And it's just like this very like. I have to get there right now. Like nothing else in the world matters. It doesn't matter. Like I've got to show up. It was hot. It was, it was a plus. I love the emotional, like I had to make sure you were okay. And now I'm going to have you in every way that I want you. And, you know, of course she returns back <laughs> to Bez Gaia. She didn't take leave and it's just a big drama fest after that. It's like against the codex to leave without permission. Oh, and while she was at the outpost with Zayden shower fucking after that, they went outside of the ward to give some weapons to the rebellion. And that's when we meet Kat for the first time. Zayden's sort of ex situation. Like, I guess he didn't fall in love with her, but you know, they were engaged or promised to each other before. Yeah, and they were fucking, so. Yeah, and apparently she's beautiful and very cranky and very good with, what are those symbols called again? Runes. Runes. So she's really good with runes and manipulating people's emotions. And so the thing with Kat is, like, if you have an emotion, she enhances it. So if you're jealous, you're going to be uber jealous. Or if you're mad, you're going to be uber mad or whatever, um, which we learn later. And so, you know, 
Viola didn't know why she was getting so like worked up around her. She's like, am I jealous? Oh, she was like raging and stuff. Cat, she's like a princess essentially for the Griffin Riders. Yeah, pretty much. I think she's like the niece or something of the king of some place. I did not fully understand what that was all about. So once we get there, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But basically this entire time, Violet was not telling her friends what was going on. Her friend, not the rebellion friends, but like her friends from the college, like Rhiannon, Riddick and Sawyer, I guess are her three besties. And the entire time I was like, tell them, tell them tell them stop keeping the secret and so finally after the shower scene and she gets back she does tell them because um Varish was about to steal like her weapon yeah her knife that helps her kill venom and she was wearing zayden's flight leathers yes mm-hmm. and so they were like really you know giving her a hard time and Rhiannon. Ree, she has this power where she can like she can grab things from different locations and she was in her room. She noticed that there was a problem. And what does she do? She magically snatches that knife out of Violet's jacket. And then that's when she tells them everything that's going on. And they're like, ah, why wouldn't you tell us? We're fighting this revolution with you. I you love know. that so much. And they weren't mad at her for keeping secrets like she was with Zayden. And I was kind of expecting that they might be at least a little Right. Bit. Also, I love the scribe. What is her name? There's a scribe that Violet has been friends with. She was friends with her in book one. And she's really like super smart and helps her throughout book two as well. And I really enjoy her character. And she's actually the one who's writing these books from like. Yeah. Look at the front of the book. It tells you her name. Oh, let me see. Jacinia. Yes. Jacinia. Jacinia. Yeah. Jacinia. She, I love her character. Like she reminds me of just kind of like that Hermione Granger character who is super smart that you want around and like, she risks everything for Violet and for yes. this cause. And I love that so much. Like, it makes me love the fact that she was the one that wrote this. Because, you know, we, we learn in Fourth Wing, like, oh, you know, history is erased. Like, you don't get the full truths. You don't learn the real story. And so to know that Jacinia is writing these books from her point of view, unless it tells you that it's from Zayden's diary or whatever. Um, it's like, you know what you're reading I don't think she's an unreliable narrator, I guess is what I'm saying, because she's involved. Yeah. So her involvement kind of started when they were all like, we're going to go back to the college. And Violet's like, we need to figure out a way to make additional wards or repair these wards. Um, It's not just about the weapons. But Violet was like, here's how I can contribute. I'm going to research this. So she's going to the library and she asked Jacinia for a bunch of books and help. And they learn that someone who requested a certain type of book was killed because that person, I think it was Jacinia, wrote down like in a log or something what they requested and then that person was killed. And so so then I think at that point, it forced Violet and Justinia to be like, do you trust me? Now do you yeah. trust me? And then they both were like, yes. It took Violet a little while to share the full truth with Justinia, but essentially they helped each other. That eventually led to them trying to break into this secret library underground, past vaults and shit, to get a journal of one of the founding writers, right? Was that Yeah. It? 
Yeah, that was owned by a king who is still alive, actually. And like you, he's the only one who can enter it because it's his personal library. We think he's the only one who can enter it. (laughs) Spoiler, his son is at the war college to fight because he knows some shit is going down and he wants to be on the front line. And so they rope him into this and they're like we need your blood bro we need your magic blood we need you to come and open this vault and just and them they have this big plan and you know he's like yeah i'll help you but fuck zayden he ain't coming in here i don't like him <laughs> screw him um and so i i like the little banter like it's a serious moment and he's like Mm-mm. And no i don't think so you can stand outside while we do this i enjoyed that scene it's so reminiscent of Harry Potter like there are things in it for me that just brings me back to that love that I had of Harry Potter when they were like breaking into the chamber of secrets and like you know you've got the Voldemort which is like that I I can make so many comparisons to Harry Potter in this book that not that Rebecca copied it it's the hero's journey it's a trope it's literally a trope and so Anyway, it's very reminiscent of that for me, but with dragons and sex. But there was a lot of scenes that I was like, oh, yeah, this is just like that in Harry Potter. I love that. It's, it gives me the feels. I do wonder if that prince is going to come back into the picture because we didn't really see him for the rest of the book. I think he went with the rebels when things happened, but we didn't really see him after that whole scene. So I hope we get to see more of him in the next book. Oh, yeah. I think he's one of those characters that's going to make a comeback. He seems very important to the cause because his father doesn't even know that he's gone yet. Yeah. Like, (laughs) what? like, Like, dude, your child is like, in a war college fighting a revolution and you don't even know where he where he is are you where he thinks his son is they probably (laughs) said this in the book and i forget even with all my copious notes he was like oh he he has no idea he thinks i'm somewhere else and i'm like but you're like a prince yeah yo yo daddy don't know where you are okay i think he said something like his father wasn't gonna his father knew doesn't give a shit so he was gonna make a difference but yeah so they break in and they steal these Two journals that were written by the first six who helped create the original wards. And they're written in a lost language that no one really knows. Um, Jacinia knows some of it and Dane knows some of it. And so they're trying to work together to try to understand what they need to do to get the wards up for the town where the revolution is hosted, which is also Zayden's father's old town it's it's a kingdom essentially Zayden is like a prince essentially of these people who were all killed but yeah and so they're trying to translate this they are trying to learn how to get the wards up they have to go to that other town with the griffin riders where the griffin riders are I think that's around the same time. What I recall after this is that this is when Violet was, was, I have it around chapter 35. Mm -hmm. After they steal the journals, Violet is essentially tortured by Varish. Oh, yeah. For reals. So the first one was like part of their education, but she broke a rule. Honestly, bitch broke a lot of rules. So I forget (laughs) which one got her in there, but she officially had the journal. They found the journal on her. The journal was how, okay. They found the journal on her of one of the six. And they're like, how did you get this journal? It was locked in this King's vault. How did you break in there? And so they want to know why she had it and what she's looking for inside of it. Cause they know that she's super intelligent. 
Yes. And so there's like this whole torture scene that's honestly was pretty sad. But and Liam yes pops up and so like while she's in like a lot of pain it's sort of like a hallucination of liam and he's like encouraging her being like you're doing so well hang in there i cried i 100 percent cried Dude, at that oh my gosh i had a few tears i'm not gonna lie i was like no not liam and so he's like walking her through it and he's like you're strong they're gonna come after you they're gonna save you like don't tell them like he's like you know because she doesn't have connection with taryn because they tricked her to drink some lemonade Okay. And so she has no connection with anyone. Nobody knows where she is. She's so she's being tortured for like five days or six days and she's missing class and people are starting to notice that she's gone and they're just torturing her. They're making the mender guy who's like right hand man or whatever. They're breaking all of her bones and then they're mending her so then they can break them all again. And it's yes. just pain over and over and over again. And so Liam's there the whole time, like yeah. when she's awake and it's making me want to cry right now. It was so sad. <laughs> it just, oh, it was so heartbreaking. And I just was like, can't we, like, can we bring him back from the dead, please? Like, let's please break some laws of nature here and bring this bitch back. Though, you know, Brennan was dead. And so, and, and Jack Barlow was dead. And so I'm like, I swear to freaking God, if Rebecca brings Liam back after I cried real life tears for that character, I swear to you, like, is he alive? Is there something that they can do to undo the wrongs that were done in the name of the revolution? Like, they're magic. Like, I don't, I don't know. Jack Barlow was crushed by a mountain and he was brought back so i'm but like that was because he chose to become a venom and pull power from <clears throat> the earth or some such shit i have hope but i think they said they burned the bodies so i can't see liam as becoming a venom but neither here nor there but while violet what <laughs> it's yeah, a malik <laughs> so essentially the torture shit happens and then they bring dane in and they explained that she stole the journal and they need his and she's part of the revolution and they need his help to get her memories and then dane eventually agrees to it because the first time he said no but this time he said yes and then violet was able to show him the memory of the battle against the wyvern and the venom and liam dying and then at that point, Dane turns to her side and then attacks Varish, I think. And then at that point, Zayden fights through and shows up and is like, I'm here to save you. Violet can barely walk. Like, mm -hmm. she's having to be carried out. And so she's angry, though. She's pissed off what they did to her. And Zayden's pissed off. And um, the Commandant, they literally corner him and they're getting ready to kill him and they're like no that's violet's kill mm -hmm. and so she gets her little knife and she like tries to kill him but she doesn't have the strength so then zayden like takes her hand and forces it in and <laughs> <laughs> oh how romantic pull <laughs> this character together um i don't know if i'm really convinced that he's dead i really hope like kelly is but I he's a villain he's gonna come back i know i'm just not convinced that he's dead i feel like maybe he's venom as well or, or or he's going to be venom like they that the little healer guy like brought him back but that's just speculation there's nothing there's yeah. no hint of that but i'm like i don't feel like he's really gone because he was such a big bad i feel like he's gonna come back then they exit and uh Wait, we get the i love you's zayden says i love you before they escape 
I don't know if you remember. He basically was like, I came for you. I chose you over the revolution. I'm jeopardizing everything that we're working on, but I love you and I choose you. And I was like, oh my gosh, he broke the rules for her, which Dane wouldn't do before. But then Dane did because he joined the revolution. I don't remember that. Maybe because I was... (laughs) (laughs) But they walk out and they're they're freaking out like all the professors and instructors are leaving because the way that Zayden basically infiltrated this was he started dropping wyvern everywhere all the dragons got together and they started killing wyvern and they started dropping them to prove that this isn't fake that this is really happening Mm -hmm. and so then they stand out and they tell people essentially you're with us or you can stay here and die but there's a revolution and the wyvern are real and you can come and fight with us and so then they take like most of the war college with them back to uh god i need to look up that town name i forget it too that of course is one of the things i didn't write down we also had a brief conversation before they all left with violet's mother where we learned that she was the one who made a deal with Zayden that the, the kids could come to the war college and all of that in exchange for a favor. And then the favor was to make sure that Violet didn't die, which I found yeah. weird. I found that pretty weird. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, because you learn that Violet's mom puts Violet into the rider quadrant because she wants her daughter to survive because she knows that Violet is nosy and smart and she would figure out that what the scribes were writing were lies and so she was like oh well if she's a writer then she won't have all the information and maybe it'll keep her alive longer um but also we i know that she's weak and frail so zayden you owe me a favor you're gonna keep my daughter alive and that really hurts violet in a way because she's like oh well did he just did he fall in love with me because my mother forced him to watch me or is all this fake like she's just not confident in her relationship with him. I think that kind of highlighted, though, some of the redeemable qualities for her mother, which her name is Lilith Sorengale. Figured that out by the end, um, but I did write that note down. But after all that, 100 riders, 200 dragons, and a few of the teachers joined the rebellion, and they left and flew to whatever that place is where Zayden's family had a mini city thing going on. And the rebels are all mad because they thought that their location was jeopardized because of all these people coming in. So Courtney just looked it up. And where is the rebel place? What is it called? I think it's called Arisha. And that used to be the kingdom that Zayden's father essentially ran. And they have a room inside of their compound or whatever that's got like a, a throne. I remember it being talked about how it's like half burned from when they went to kill everyone that was you know, a part of this, like all the elders and kingdoms and Zayden's dad and all the, what do they call them? Not the chosen ones, the ones that have all the symbols on them. And if they get together, like what Zayden is. Marked ones. Marked ones. Okay. I was calling them chosen ones. So yeah, all the marked ones came from Arisha essentially. And it's because they were starting a revolution because they knew what was going on and they wanted to stop it. So essentially they all left the college, the group of them, they're staying in Arisha and then they need this item in order to make more of these weapons. And this King that lives beyond the wards has this item, but he's been saying to everyone, he won't give it to them unless he meets the wielder of lightning. And so Violet. A luminary. A luminary. Thank you. Yeah, I remember and they, that. 
luminary. I'm going to write that down, but essentially they they're, Violet... they're, they're going to negotiate getting the luminary and Violet's going and she's sneaking out with her brother and her sister. Like Zayden mm -hmm. doesn't know this. <laughs> And yeah, because Zane doesn't want her to go. <laughs> they're flying on their dragons. It's a big deal. They're showing up to this kingdom that is described of like, it's very beautiful. The sun reflects off of it. It seems very peaceful. And Taryn's like, it has zero protection in it. You know, <laughs> like it yeah. looks pretty, but it ain't doing shit for them. But yeah, so then they show up to this other town. It's Kat's uncle. Yes. The Griffin Riders uh, kingdom, essentially. Yeah, Katz Zayden's ex-ish. Yeah, so they go there and he there's like a ball or like a fancy dinner. He makes them all dress up. And then during that, they all go outside and he's like, let's have a presentation. And they have Violet go out and there's like a chest in the middle. And he wouldn't let Zayden go with her, but he lets her sister go with her. And they open a chest and inside there's a venom. She doesn't have much control over her lightning at this point. And the venom's about to like kill everyone. And there's this whole little battle scene. And eventually she does kill the venom. And Mira almost died. <laughs> so it was a really, really intense scene. Yeah. And there was something with the, it was like in a Colosseum setting. And so you had all of these like griffin riders and like that type of character like watching it like oh like let's watch these this whole dramatic thing and they're like in their <laughs> dresses and they're like oh this is this is fun this is a show like let's watch this and apparently the chest that they wanted Violet to strike with her lightning belonged to Zayden's father and so it was like symbolic he thought it was more symbolic than anything to destroy this priceless thing that he traded or whatever. Um, but then the venom pops out and it's like super dramatic. And Violet's like, I'm screwed. And Taryn's not around. And he's like, I'll be there in two minutes. Just hold on. And it's just, it was, it was dramatic. <laughs> yeah, it really was. And I, I mean, I don't know if oh, we'll mention it briefly, but I think the king was mad at Zayden because Zayden wouldn't marry Kat anymore. And I guess that whole, I don't know, they promised to each other. So the king was pissed when he was like, nope, not going to happen. Yeah, he backed out on his deal. And so it was like a way to get back at him. You learned also that in that scene, like Zayden protected her her gear that she wore whatever with runes that made her safe from cat and so when she took her her writer's gear off to wear this dress to dress nice and show that she's willing to negotiate that's when she was starting to get these like really deep emotions like from cat about zayden and yeah like a lot uh, of insecurities yeah i thought that was cool i was like oh so he put runes in it <laughs> like yeah that's awesome Awesome. And then when they go back to the college, they start learning about runes and what the hell they are. And what do they call the base magic? The lesser magic? Yeah, like the lesser magic. Lesser magics. Yeah. They do make a deal, though, with these griffins, the griffin riders. The deal oh, wait. is... Can we go back to the king? What deal yeah. they made with him? Yeah. So they he said, I'll give you the luminary, but you're going to take all of our trainees with you to... What was that town called again? Uh, <laughs> Erasia. You're going to take all of our trainees with you to Erasia and you're going to train them to fight these venom. And that's our deal. And there was so now they're like, oh, well, we've got all these people from uh, 
best guy whatever and now we've got all these other people that we have to train and the griffin riders are not good like the griffins can't fly at the same altitude as dragons they're not trained like dragon riders are like dragon riders die every day griffin riders like you see the difference in how they treat their college kids because they have to go through this mountain to get to where they're going and they lose some of the griffin riders on the way there and it's a big contention like they can't jump as far and they their griffins get really tired in the altitude and so you can see that they're kind of like a weak link compared to the dragon riders i would say the griffins yes weren't as great at altitudes but we learned that the riders are way better at rune magic yes they can manipulate shit like emotions and like do all these lesser magics that like the dragon riders just disregarded because it wasn't as strong as their signets if i'm saying that right yes and so they start learning rune magic together which i thought was fascinating and i loved and isn't that how wyverns are created with root like a bunch of runes and shit and then they take stolen magic and bring them to life i feel like that is correct it might be it. Might not. Please, guys, if uh, if you remember better than I do, let us know. <laughs> yeah, we've listened to fifty hours of audiobooks, so give us a break. Yes, yeah, seriously. <laughs> okay, yeah. So they're all going to college together, and they're having a hard time getting along, dragon riders and griffin riders. But they're doing their darndest, and by the end, they're all sticking up for each other, which I thought was beautiful, especially like when Cat defended Violet and shit. But I am getting ahead of myself. After the rune magic classes is the throne scene. Do you care to take the lead on this one? Oh, yeah. So uh, they're doing this magic and like they're trying to like get them all the kids and kids. I say kids. They're trying to teach everyone together. And so they're like, okay, well, we're going to let you fight each other. And so Violet and Kat get on the mat and try to beat the shit out of each other. And Violet nearly kills her. Like she's like choking her and like she's talking to Zayden in her head. And he's like, I don't care if you kill her. Do it if you want to. If it'll make you feel better, kill her. It doesn't matter to me if she lives or dies. And Violet's like, oh, I kill her. Because Kat basically makes emotions heightened that you already have. So anyway, they Zayden walks in. He breaks them up. He takes Violet to the kingdom room. And then he literally just, you know, splits her legs open and pleasures her and he's like i love you i don't want her all this stuff he tells her about cat's powers and how it's actually influencing emotions she already has and it's it's a good scene i enjoyed it i can tell you exactly where i was in my car <laughs> i just finished shopping at walmart i was gonna say <laughs> when i listened to it and it was it was a good scene they opened up in that scene i felt like and she's like okay well now bang me and he's like no it's not about that it's about you knowing that I want you and I don't expect anything else in return. And so I was like, that's amazing. It was it was a really great scene. And it was like on the throne, guys. Like it was on the throne. That was <laughs> and that's when she realized who Zayden really is, too. You know, she's like, oh, this is actually a kingdom and he's actually like the prince. And um, that's why he has so much control here, because it was literally his his dad's palace i just want to reiterate the fact that he ate her out on the throne that he could theoretically one day sit on so yeah yeah a little confused though when he backed up like three feet away and he's like being kind of stubborn and i was like so was it actually magic that was doing it i was somewhat confused i was like oh no he just backed up very quickly but he was actually on his knees for her so i have some 
theories based on some of the things that happened. So during the sex scene, Violet's having a grand old time, as one would if you were getting eat out, I imagine, or <laughs> eaten out, whatever. And so during that whole scene as she's being pleasured, it goes from her perspective, and the chapter is entirely in her perspective, to she is seeing through Zayden's eyes and feeling his emotions. And so one of my curiosities is either number one, is it Zayden's signet, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, is he able to project what he's feeling? Or is this her second signet with Indarna? Yeah. And she's able to see through, because throughout the book, a bunch of different times, she was able to see from other people's perspective, like from Tan's perspective. And so I wondered if that was her second signet, because there was a very big distinction where she was like, you could see him like like worshiping her and what he thought of her. Yeah, and the point of view things. changed. Yes. The point of view changed in the audio. And I was like, is this a mistake? And then I was <laughs> like, oh, wait, no, this is like a point of view change. It was very abrupt. Like, I was somewhat confused. I, I, I kind of had to go back because I was like, oh, this is purposely done like this. But yeah, I wonder if it is because of his... I wonder. Now I'm, I want to know more. <laughs> I think it's from one of their signets. And spoiler alert, because, you know, this hasn't been full of spoilers thus far. Each of them has two signets. Um, so she gets two from her two different dragons. He has two because he is the grandson of a dragon rider who was formerly bonded to Sigel. Did I yeah, get that right? Sigel's uh, was bonded to Zayden's grandfather. Yeah. And so the way that it works is when you are you're bonded to the same dragon that was in your family line, then you usually get two signets. And so he's been hiding his second one because it's the bad one that they kill people for having. <laughs> I forget what it's called. Oh shit, I wrote it down. Um hold on, let me look it up. It was a big revelation when Violet almost died by Solus. <laughs> <laughs> again intrinsic intrinsic yeah so if y'all remember when we talked about it in the first uh podcast we talked about fourth wing and how intrinsic was killed in the right on the spot because he got his signet and he was like basically like i can see everything i can i can feel everything and so they kill those riders who get that signet because they're extremely dangerous and zayden knew that and so he kept it to himself and it was a secret that only him and sigel knew that's it they said oh you'll either get a second signet or you'll just be a little crazy go crazy and then die or something yeah like that. and so they were like oh well you didn't get a second signet now we know your problem <laughs> I think uh, he tried to play it off like, oh, it was my uncle or something, like great uncle. Also around that time was when the students traveled through the snowy forest looking to see if they could identify some rune or some such shit. I forget. It was some kind of training. And that's when Solus appears and tries to kill Violet, I guess, as revenge for her killing Varish. Yeah. And um, yeah, that whole scene was intense. Yep. Yeah. And Andarna is there. And they're like, and Kat is there, and uh, Liam's little sister is also there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's a dramatic scene because Solus comes from around the corner. They're in this cave thing looking for these, like, runes or whatever. Solus comes around the corner, and Taryn's like, I'll be there in two minutes. And yeah. I'm like, bro, you were always... You you were always two minutes away. Yeah. <laughs> and 
and and Darna's there and and Darna protects them and fights for Violet and ends up killing Solus. And I was like, yes, finally. That's when Kat is like, Violet could have let me die and she chose not to do that. And so then I feel like that's where their relationship kind of moves to a different level. Violet tried to save them and told Kat to take Sloane, Liam's sister, away and protect her. And I guess she did that, but then she came back and was like firing off arrows at Solus, the dragon. So then Kat risked her life too to help Violet. And then their, I think their relationship started to change after that, which I was a big fan of. Yeah. I loved how Violet like ultimately killed no so Andarna didn't kill Solus. Violet did. No, she did. Andarna did kill him. There was something Andarna with Andarna like, did. Her tell. There was a sword tell, right? I don't recall, but I know she did because Taryn spoke to Violet and was like, it's a huge deal if a dragon kills another, kills another dragon. dragon. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a sword tell because I remember them saying like there was blood dripping from her tell, but um, Violet also has this like conduit that she uses yeah. to control her lightning and they like stick the conduit inside of Solus, and then she like gets it to strike or something. I don't know. It was it was an epic battle scene. There was yeah. a lot going on. So we're probably forgetting some details, but it was epic. And then Taryn showed up and I was like, yes, it was just it was good. Yeah. He's like, I should have killed him when I had the chance, you know. Yeah, rather than take his eye, because I think Taryn took Solus, one of Solus's eyes in the past. Yeah. As if that wasn't exciting enough. After that, um, it goes back to Violet trying to figure out how to, it's not necessarily create a ward or repair a ward, it's, but it's a ward around a, a Terry, a what the hell was that called? Zayden's daddy's city, the, where all the rebels are. And she figures out via the journals that it has to be done with dragon fire. But then the dragons can't use their fire after they power these wars, which I thought was really fucking sad. I did not like that consequence. Yeah, they can only use their fire to power one ward. It yeah. needs to be the six strongest dragons, which is what one journal said. And then they translated another one and they're like, oh, it actually needs to be seven. But there are not seven dragon species. There's only six. Dun, JK. Dun, dun. Just <laughs> kidding. Um, and Darna, our favorite little child, which we thought was a child, is really 650 years old. She is the seventh dragon species that no one really knew about. I'm like, so she's older than Taryn? What? Well, I think she was chilling in her egg for a while. And I don't know what is normal, but it was like 650 years she was chilling in an egg. Um, yeah, so. it was almost kind of like a thing where it's like, I know who my writer is going to be. I'm just waiting for her to be born. And when my writer is born, I will come out and I will yes. be paired with her because that's who I'm supposed to be with. Yeah. And so 650 years. And I love the way that Rebecca did the little hints where it was like, oh, her her scales kind of look a little red right yes. here. Or they look a little green or they look a little black. And essentially, Andarna has been mimicking Taryn because she loves him so much like she looks up to him like a father figure and so they think that she's a black dragon but really she can 
project her skills to be however she wants them to be to protect I her herself. to be like a rainbow dragon or some such shit i'm like purple <laughs> purple no. i feel like she's gold i feel like she's gonna be gold like yeah. in real life and she just can like project to any color she wants <laughs> after the whole ward thing um, just because there's so much shit to get through after the the figuring out the ward at this rebel place, the wyverns show up and they all attack. And it was during this battle that they put up the ward and the wyvern all kind of fall to the ground. And then the venom and what the remaining venom and wyvern retreat. But then they learn later that the ward was put up improperly and that the wyvern that fell to the ground were like slowly coming back to life. And then they quickly killed them yeah. for real this time. Uh, and they found that out by Violet's mother. She's like, listen to me, go back and cut them open. Your wards are not safe. I was like, look at her protecting her daughter. Yeah. That was when the people from Basgaith war, I forget the country, but it's the Basgaith back in like the mainland with all the wards, the leadership come and ask the, the rebels for help saying that this guy foresaw the wyvern and then an attack and they lose. And they were like, please come help. And so Violet's mom was there. And so that's when she revealed the information about the venom. And they essentially the rebels turn turn them down and say, no, we're not going to help you. And then Violet changes her or rather thinks about it and then is like, this person who can see the future cannot see the future when the rebel kids, three or more, are together. And she realizes that there's going to be multiple attacks by the Venon and Wyvern. And they and got the they got the location wrong. Correct. So they're like, no, it's not there. It's actually going to be. At this place. At the War College. Yeah, Best Guy. We've got to go back. Do y'all want to go back? And Brennan's like, no, screw <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah, so it was like Mira, Violet, Zayden, Violet's besties, and a, most of Fourth Wing, if not everybody, flew to the War College to help defend it. The War College is fucking empty because everyone was sent to a different location to defend that. It was like Violet's mom and a bunch of first years. Yeah. And like healers and scribes and like that was it and they're like arguing she's like listen to me they're coming here and she's like no they're her mom's like no they're not they're totally not <laughs> she's like listen to me like for once like listen and so they then brennan eventually shows up and her mother is just like oh my kids are like, it's a big reveal. It's kind of emotional. And so, of course, like, she starts listening. And then they go down. And she's like, well, just show me. Show me that the wards are safe. Show me the, the ward stone or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> and they go downstairs and the security guards are knocked out. And she's no, like, they oh, did. They, yeah, they, they like, did, did, did. <laughs> they're like, shit, this is actually happening. This is legitimate. And so then it's like they go down there and the stone is no longer lit. It's supposed to be lit by some flame and it's not. And it's broken. And so, yeah. done it, but the evil Jack Barlow. <laughs> Jack freaking Barlow. I do in the front of um, <laughs> Iron Flame. I just opened it and there is a map. So that's very helpful with knowing what the city names are. It is Thanks. Arisha. Why didn't we think to do that earlier? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> it would have been helpful. <laughs> But yeah, so there's this epic battle scene at the end. The Wyvern come. They are battling. Uh, her mother's helping them. Like, she can control, like, Rain. Taryn and Violet are, like, coming up with these master plans. You've got Sigel and Zayden who are fighting. You've got Andarna who Violet's like, 
Lee's hide. And then you've got our Jacinia, our scribe, who came during this battle so she could go and compare the journals. And she realizes what's going on. They have this epic battle. There's oh, kind of Brennan's trying to repair the Wardstone with this healing magic. Yeah, Brennan's trying to repair that. There's a very scene that's reminiscent to the end of uh, Fourth Wing, where Liam jumps on Taryn because Venon is on the dragon trying to kill Violet, and the same thing happens. But Rhiannon, I know, <laughs> jumps, on, jumps on the dragon, and she's like, "I'm." like she it's basically like a flash it's like the same type of thing and even violet says like this is how i lost liam i'm not gonna lose my other best friend this way and she ends up not dying which is really good but i, I was, was prepared for her to die i, I was, was like too. at the edge of my fucking seat being like you can't die don't do it i was too i was like it cannot in the same way like rebecca wouldn't do that to us like we've already dealt with it once like we're not gonna deal with it again like she has to live you've also got her sister mira who's also fighting she gave violet a uh, what is it a bow and arrow essentially so she could also fight with that and so uh they they killed the venom on the back and rhiannon lives thank goodness yeah and then we've got old uh what's his name gets his leg ate off <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was that? Sawyer. Sawyer is... Sawyer gets, like, his, like, bitten off by a wyvern while battling. Poor thing. And Violet was able to bring him to the healer, so that was good. Yeah, Violet's like, he can't, I can't lose any more friends. We made a promise. And so she jumps off Taryn's back and lands, which I was like, you go, girl. You have not been landing. You did it. Good for you. Yeah, because in the, 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 <laughs> the college, they were training to do, like, a running jump thing <laughs> off the dragons. Yeah, she, she could not do it. Before. She couldn't do it. And Taryn's like, what are you doing? Stay <laughs> on my back. Stay saddled in. And she doesn't listen. She's like, no, sir. Thank you. Yeah. So then she fights them. And then, you know, whatever. They're trying to get the words up. They ended up going to the ground after that epic battle. And then Jacinia runs up. Kat's like, hey, uh... A scribe's looking for you. Jacinia runs up and she's like, oh, my God, we translated these books wrong. There's seven dragons. And then that's when Violet realizes that Andarna is kind of like the secret. And she talks to Zayden and she's like, if I have to protect wards on these two places, Basgaeth and we will learn what it is. Taria. Arisha. Arisha. Arisha, which one would you choose? Which one would you choose? I need to know right now because a dragon can only word one place. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, I need to know. People are dying. It's crazy. It's crazy down. It's a lot going on. And he's like, wherever you are is where I want it to be protected. That was yeah. his answer. Wherever you are, I want that place to be protected. When does the big battle with the venom happen? On the ground, remember? Because Kat's there and Kat like intensifies this venom's like, you're go I'm going to deliver you to him and I'm going to be known throughout. Yeah, that was before all of this, I think. Um, and then by the time she gets down to the ground, I feel like because uh, there was a conversation with Kat where Kat was like, put us to work. We can help collect yeah. the wood or something like that. Um, we're still strong, although we can't. Like the griffins couldn't fly in the rain and then the, this venom appears. Um, and then, yeah, it was like, I have to take you to the leader yeah. and then her and cat defeat this venom. If I recall correctly, I'm trying to remember how this venom dies. 
And Darna comes from the the mountain because she's blending in, yes. hiding under the boulder. That's it. And Darna comes in and bites. <laughs> oh yeah, bites his head off or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Darna comes in and she, and like I love the way that she described like she's like I see the mountain moving and it's changing colors and then she sees mm-hmm. Andarna and then Andarna like bites the head off and then that venom's gone. Um I was like, "Yes, Andarna's saving the day again." And Andarna's like arguing the whole time like, "I will be where I need to be. Don't tell me to go hide." Yeah. <laughs> And so anyway, after that, she talks to Jacenia. They figure out that, oh, this is how we do this. And then Violet runs downstairs to where the the word stone is. And her brother's down there. And her mother's down there. And Liam's sister Sloane is down there. And Andarna is down there. I believe Andarna is down there. Because she tells her to hide from her mother because she doesn't trust her. She's like, you need to hide from my mother. Um, but Violet talks to Andarna and she's like, I know what you are. And Andarna's like, then say it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, if you know, then say it. I'm not going to tell you because if you don't know, then you don't deserve to know. And so then that's when the revelation comes up that Andarna is the seventh unknown species of dragons. Yeah. Or unknown to humans. Because I unknown guess to like humans. dragon yes. people knew. But yeah. And then Violet uses her signet to power the ward zone um i forget what it's called but anyways they have to imbue it that's the word and yeah, they imbue have to it. imbue it to power it up so, to the make the ward and usually you do this over time and so violet is just giving up all of her energy and whatever to try and power it up and during that process like zayden and the dragons are like don't do it yeah because they said it took like a hundred people like a large amount of people over like a three-week period and they needed this done in like seconds yeah <laughs> And so basically the mom comes in, I think kicks Violet off of whatever she was holding on to to imbue yeah. the ward and then antagonizes Sloane, who is a siphon, and then shows Sloane how to take her life force and um, put it, imbue the ward stone, which happens. Violet's mom dies. Everyone is pretty devastated by it. I was even devastated. And I didn't like her throughout the entire book until like this scene. And I was like crying. I was like, no, no, this is so sad. Yeah, it was really sad. Like, we watched this person who we thought was a villain who forced Violet to go to this war college when she wanted to be a scribe. So we thought that this mom was more or less trying to kill Violet off for being a weakling. But then it just turns out she was doing all these things to make Violet as strong as possible, knowing this war was coming to their borders sooner or later. And I think there was some prediction between like her and her husband or someone that when she died, the mother, it was going to be to protect her children. And it was because like Brennan was out of energy after like fixing the ward. Violet was about to die. Mira was was outside fighting Wyvern and Venom. And so it was a very, dramatic scene and like the mom is like talking to Sloan she's like I killed your mother I killed your father like I did all these horrible things to you like the least you can do is like get your revenge mm-hmm. it was sad it was so sad it was so sad it w- I will say like I wasn't as sad as Liam's death but it kind of hit me in the feels like for me as a parent it's the ultimate sacrifice yeah. she made those like terrible decisions that more yeah. or less hurt Violet to in hopes of protecting her one day. So it was kind of like a show her as like a morally gray, redeemable character. It was hardcore. 
<laughs> it was so hardcore. And so you've got Brennan and the the words go up, of course. And they're super strong. And Venom start wyverns start falling out of the sky. Like they were sending a second wave that was even more than what they had just fought. They didn't have enough people to fight them. So like the words are up. Basgaeth is safe. And Violet is like exhausted because she literally almost burned out brennan is exhausted because he literally almost burned out and you know they people died yeah <laughs> during this big old war anyway so violet is like recovering and then we get to zayden's chapter <laughs> well we should mention maybe during the ward part she or right goes up or right before it she can sense that Zayden is in pain and dying more or less yeah she can and um, she's like he's dying he's he's you know and um it's super dramatic but I think Taryn tells her that he lives right yeah so after like her mom is dead and she's in shock and everyone's crying and having a hard time she does learn that Zayden's alive um, but he's kind of isolating himself. And so she goes over to see Zayden. And for some reason, they, like, don't want her to see them. And Sigail almost, like, tries to stop her from seeing Zayden. And then she sees him and he won't look at her. And then you see his red eyes. Yeah. And then you learn that he's turned into a venom because of love. Which I don't understand. I'm just like the wards were up. Like what? This was before the wards went up, I think. Maybe so. I'm like, you you get the point of view from Zayden. The Venon's like, I'm a general. Don't call me that. And he's like, oh, well, generals die just like soldiers do or whatever. Yeah. And then he ends up turning Zayden into a Venon. And at the very end, Zayden goes down to the prison where mother... And Jack, <laughs> Jack Barlow is down there, and he's like, "How do you reverse it?" And yeah, Jack, like, can't think you, you can't. <laughs> the end. I am devastated from that ending, like devastated. If I recall correctly, though, the whole scene of him becoming a venom was before the wards were up. The sage slash general slash venon was like i'm gonna kill you and he was toying with Zayden at that point because he's exhausted out of energy he's about to burn out and he's like i'm gonna kill you and then i'm gonna go after her and then so Zayden, um because he was trying to get him to become a venon the whole time and then Zayden does become a venon kills him and then i think the wards go up you hold them together okay bo if he would have just waited though <laughs> yeah like, bro, if you would have just waited, like, the words would have went up and everything would have been perfectly fine. But you didn't. And mm -hmm. now you're, like, a Sith. And do you remember that whole scene where he was, like, deciding about becoming a Venon? And Sigal was like, don't do it, in his mind. And, and she was like, I chose you. And Zayden's like, well, she chose me too, referring to Violet. And then he became a venom to like protect everyone. Does that break his bond to Sigail? Like what happens? I feel like it did because there was something that made me think that Sigail was like not speaking or not associating or something at the end with Taryn or something. Because Taryn said something that made me think, oh, well, Sigail is like having an issue with this. But I mean, can a venom be bonded to a dragon? 
I feel like we've got a lot of questions that we need answers <laughs> for. Like we did get the hint at the end that Zayden would have cravings for the magic. That's a consequence of him becoming a venom. He wouldn't be satiated with not using it, but it's kind of like, is he bound to become this non human humanoid creature with red eyes what is the capacity it sounds like they live quite a long time if not forever can you be bonded to dragons we learned through jack barlow that you can control dragons with this magic there's a lot of questions that need answering in the next book yeah because jack barlow kills his own dragon yeah like that's a scene and i'm like are you freaking kidding me like i have a lot of questions you're right there's just so much going through my mind i was like but how why explain it okay so i'm gonna go real quick with predictions i think that the next book is going to be trying to find a way to save zayden and reverse what happened to him or maybe he can infiltrate the venom somehow by becoming one of them but he's playing like double agent kind of and so um there's going to be something like that i think that's a good prediction i think we're going to need to learn the bounds of what it means to be a venom, and that that's going to be a thing in book one. And so in a series, when there's a couple that's end game, I feel like authors do this thing where they pull the couples apart, put them back together, pull them apart, put them back together. So book one was them, Zayden and Violet slowly falling in love. Book two was them being emotionally distant because of all the secrets. And then I think I agree with you that book three is going to be them being apart because he's a venom. Can we, can't we, how can we figure this out? And I think Violet's going to be all in, but he's going to emotionally pull away as he tries to figure out what it means to be a venom and if he can ever become human again i agree i can't wait to see how book three goes how would you rate this book okay so my rating system is not for me i enjoyed it i would recommend it i'm obsessed with it it's probably i'm obsessed with it i'm really pissed about the ending right now and i feel emotionally traumatized um, by this ending but i i i love this book i'm going to be recommending this series to anyone who will listen same same uh so i do five stars and like for me if a book can make me cry like it's an auto five star because i don't squirt tears for books I just don't like I'm one of those who are I'll I'll kind of bubble up a little I'm like oh that was that was touching most of my public is going to be bawling but if I cry like a tear I'm like okay like this was pretty emotional it was well written Um, I think Rebecca did an amazing job I'm so glad that the series is going to be like five books but yeah I would say it was a solid five star but yeah, speaking though of the series and whatever, I saw like a TikTok and I think you had sent me something that on Goodreads book three had its own little listing, but it said it's coming out in January and it's bloody December as we're recording this. Ain't no way it's coming out next month. Yeah, I don't think it's coming in January. I learned that on Goodreads, if you put in just like 2024 as like a date, it will assign it January. Oh. So I think that's what happened, but there's a lot of speculation when it's coming. I imagine it would be beginning of second quarter. If I had to predict when it would come out, I would say April, just based on the schedule that that they've currently given us. I would say around April. Yeah. I would say no later than early summer is my guess. Maybe I should just slide in to Rebecca's DMs and be like, girl, tell me, tell me when that next book's coming. <laughs> hey, Lexi Ryan, I know you might be listening. Maybe you aren't, but do you know? <laughs> I want to know. 
Yeah, because um, so I interviewed Lexi Ryan for iWriterly in addition to us interviewing her for the podcast. I also interviewed Jennifer Armentrout and they all like wrote uh, praise quotes for Rebecca Yarrow. So like y'all tell us how yeah, you, when the next book is yeah. coming out. We need to Y'all know. probably already have the draft of it and you've already started reading it. Like oh you're not fooling us. <laughs> tell us like about when. Is it second quarter? We, we won't tell. We'll keep it a secret. We promise. <laughs> I guess that's all we have today. Do you have anything else? It was really good. I can't wait for the next one. Um, but for our listeners, if you guys want uh, to give us a shout out for what books you want us to read next, maybe join our Facebook group. And at some point, we'll make a little post that says, hey, what do you want to hear next? We, Courtney and I have a, quite a long list of books that we are considering. So, I mean, of course, we can just pick something out. But yeah, if there's anything you guys want us to read that you think it'd be fun to hear us react to, let us know. Come hang out with us in the Facebook group. Yep. As long as it's on audio, we're game. Mm-hmm. We just need it on audio. We're audiobook um, princesses. Thank you. That is right. Um, but yeah, I appreciate y'all being here. I know Meg does as well. This was probably one of our longest podcast recordings mm-hmm. to date. Uh, 280,000 words. So, I mean, we had a lot to discuss. We sure did. As usual, though, guys, make sure that you rate us on your podcasting platform. Give us some love, you know, especially if you enjoyed it. Um, Feel free to follow us on Instagram and TikTok where we are in both places. If you just want to contact us and share your feels about whatever books you're reading, you can do so at contact at spreadthosepages.com. We also have a contact form on our website, spreadthosepages.com. Yep. And that's all. If we don't see y'all or hear from y'all before 2024, we hope you have a great new year. New year, new books. Man, it's going to be a good one. I can't wait. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Happy holidays. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today, romance lovers. Don't forget that you are the main character of your story. So go out there and spread some pages, live your happily ever after, and keep it spicy. See y'all next time.